Welcome to the Liberators Network Podcast. I'm Christian Verweijs and I welcome you back to another edition where we're reading some of our most popular blog posts. In today's episode, we're addressing the myth that in Scrum, the product backlog has to consist out of user stories. Today's myth is best understood by an example of a team we recently worked with. Their product backlog featured this item. As a designer, I want to set up a style guide so that all developers can do basic design themselves. This format, as a role, I want to do a certain action so that certain reason, is commonly referred to as a user story. Further reading of the product backlog yielded similar examples, like As a visitor, I want to view the site on a mobile device so that I can view it on the way home. And As a developer, I want to have an API so that I can query orders from the backend of the app. Now, we wondered, why didn't the team just write three shorter items, respectively, create a style guide, support mobile devices, and allow querying of orders from the backend. Instead, they went through quite some effort to formulate everything in their product backlog in terms of a user story. When we challenged this team on their formulation of the items on the product backlog, they responded that this was a rule in their organization. Items on a product backlog had to be formulated in terms of user stories. That was the way it was always done. They'd been told that product backlogs should consist out of user stories even if it felt forced to them and made the team lament the administrative burden of having to reformulate obvious tasks into user stories just for the sake of it. In today's episode, we will bust the myth that the product backlog actually has to consist out of user stories. We will do so by going back to the purpose of the product backlog and to that of user stories. And in the process, we will also bust a related myth that user stories are an inherent and necessary part of Scrum. Now let's begin by going back to the Scrum Guide. Because in the guide it says the product backlog lists all features, functions, requirements, enhancements, and fixes that constitute the changes to be made to the product in future releases. More succinctly put, it lists all the work that is deemed necessary for the product that we know of at this moment in time. How Scrum teams decide to capture this work is entirely up to them. They can write user stories, they can use a bunch of keywords, they can write use cases, they can even draw pictures if that works for them. As emphasized in earlier posts, the Scrum framework is a framework. It only describes what needs to be done, but does not enforce or explain how it needs to be done. The realities of product development are too complex for a one-size-fits-all solution, for silver bullets, and for generic techniques. And user stories are a good example of that. Let's talk a bit about user stories. Over the years, user stories have become the go-to technique for most Scrum teams. Their use has been heavily advocated by books, blogs, which include some of our own, and trainers. As it stands, they are considered a good practice. Originally coined in 1989 by Alistair Cockburn, the use of user stories became dominant in extreme programming. With the rising popularity of Scrum in the meantime, it comes as no surprise that user stories carried over to Scrum along with some other concepts from extreme programming like story points and the stand-up. The popularity of user stories is easily understood. They are vastly different from the extensive specification documents of more plan-based approaches. Instead of trying to capture every detail of a feature in lengthy requirements and bullet lists, 
user stories simply describe the functional essence from the perspective of a user. For example, as a shopper, I want to put a product of interest in my shopping basket so that I can buy more products at once. The strength of user stories lies in their simplicity. By design, they are incapable of conveying every detail of what's necessary. As a scrum team progresses through the product backlog, delivering items as part of working increments, they will eventually need to have a conversation about what is needed to implement an upcoming item that's, that its user story so succinctly describes. But they'll have that conversation when they're about to implement it, not at the very start of development. Items on a product backlog are reminders for future conversations based on the knowledge and insights that have emerged by then. This fits well with Scrum's empirical approach to product development and the inherent cone of uncertainty, which essentially means that when we start development on a new product, we don't have all the knowledge, we don't have all the ideas. So as we do the work, things will become clearer and we get a better understanding of what's necessary. So what are some other techniques for capturing work on the product backlog? Let us emphasize that there's absolutely nothing wrong with user stories. They are a great technique for capturing functional requirements in a good enough for now fashion, and it leaves room for further conversation. But Scrum doesn't prescribe nor require them. User stories really can get in the way of doing the work effectively. So other techniques are fine too, as long as they help promote three things. The first is that they should help make the product backlog understandable to the Scrum team and its stakeholders. A stakeholder should be able to take a look at the product backlog and have some sense of what's coming up and in what order that will be done. The second is that the level of detail they demand should fit the uncertainty of product development. Items that lie further into the future should require less detail than items that are about to be pulled into a sprint. And finally, a technique you use should foster an ongoing communication and conversation between the scrum team and stakeholders, so it shouldn't try to get everything set in stone. So instead of user stories, some work can also be captured with a few keywords or perhaps a short sentence. If both the Scrum team and stakeholders understand what we mean by a responsive site, then why go through the efforts of forcing it all into a user story as mentioned in my introduction? And what about technical work, like building an API or setting up infrastructure? If used in moderation, a technical description of work is fine if that's the simplest, most understandable way to capture it. There's little value in a vague user story like, ask the company we want to set up three instances of a site so that a crash of one instance doesn't bring everything down. If it is also possible to understand that item if we just write set up load balancing for the site on a sticky. That the product backlog as a whole needs to be understandable to the Scrum team and to its stakeholders doesn't mean that every single item has to. The product backlog remains an ongoing conversation, so if there are questions about items, then have that conversation. We believe that a healthy product backlog should contain a mix of items. Some items will be of a technical nature, like installing a new web server or creating a backup schedule. Whereas others will be functional, like subscribers can store items to their reading list so that they can read them at a later moment. User stories are a great way to capture functional requirements if they flow naturally from the conversation where they are identified and their formulation doesn't feel forced and as an administrative task. If you find yourself forcing something into a user story template, you do well to consider other techniques. 
The first one is that if you find yourself forcing requirements into a user story, consider what purpose the story serves. Is this really the best way to make the product backlog understandable both to the Scrum team and its stakeholders? Or should you perhaps use another technique or write down a couple of keywords? A second tip is that the template of user stories is only a guide. There's nothing wrong with writing a shorthand like visitors can register for newsletter. You don't have to stick to the as a role I want to perform a certain action to achieve a certain outcome. A third tip is to explore other ways to capture requirements on a product backlog. Instead of using user stories, we prefer to ask this question for each item. What becomes possible or easier after implementing this item? We write down the answer on a so-called feature card. The back of the card contains two more detailed questions that are generally answered during refinement or even sprint planning. And those questions are, what criteria apply to this feature? And that taps into acceptance criteria. And the second question is, how do we know that this feature is working as intended? Which taps into test cases. Again, this is just a technique. It's not the best way to do it. And the fourth and final tip we have for you is that the forced nature of user stories is especially obvious outside of software development. It often leads to weirdly phrased or vague internally oriented items like, as a marketeer, I want to send a mailing to our customers so that they are aware of new products. Instead, we always ask teams to write down the outcome they're going for. So in this case, notify customers of new products. That's enough. Let's move to our closing thoughts. In this edition, we busted the myth that a product backlog has to consist out of user stories. By describing the purpose and characteristics of the product backlog, we also busted a related myth, that user stories are an inherent and necessary part of Scrum. We also offered some tips on how to make progress if you're only using user stories and it's not working for you. Please let us know in the comments what you think of this myth. Do you have experience with different techniques? How has it worked for you? And with that, we're reaching the end of this podcast. Thank you very much for listening. We appreciate you taking time out of a busy day to learn something new. If you're eager to learn even more, go to medium.com slash the hyphen liberators. You'll find a lot of resources there. If you're interested in joining one of our classes, we teach a lot of professional Scrum Master and professional Scrum Master 2 classes, go to theliberators.com slash events. You'll find an overview of all our upcoming classes and workshops there. Barry and I do this, like, like recording podcasts, because we like to share our knowledge and to learn from you. Please help us by supporting this podcast and all the other content we create. Please like or give a thumbs up to this podcast on the platform that you're using to listen to. Having said that, I really want to thank you again for listening, and we wish you a wonderful day. See you next time. <music>